Praise God. This morning we will finish the third part of the series that we start on purposely created in Christ. Part one, the reason of our purpose. Then we had part two, uh, created for good works. And today we will continue on this theme saying this, walking in good works. And let's read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Before we read, let's pray for the word of God. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for uh, once again renewing your blessing of your presence in our midst. And Father, as we give to you our concern through prayer and our worship through prayer, open our minds that we can receive your word in our hearts. I pray for me, O oh Lord, as we deliver this message. Help me to be faithful in delivering what is necessary for the edification of my brothers and sisters. And helping me to be silent and quiet on things that are not uh, edifying the church. I ask you this with an humble heart, O oh God, so that you may take glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Word of God says in Ephesians 2.10, written by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. So it's not an option, it's an exhortation, it's a command that we receive. And before our life can have eternal significance or purpose, we must have a relationship with the eternal God. Finding true purpose comes with a necessary starting point. And we call the starting point surrendering our lives to God. It's when we were death in our trespasses, in our iniquities. We are separated from God. But the moment came when we receive the help of the Holy Spirit that convicted us of sin. And we came to repentance. We came to understand that the only way that we can be saved was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when we received what he had done for us on the cross, and this morning we are remembering the sacrifice of Christ through the bread and the wine. And we are remembering that this sacrifice is still active in our days. We can be saved today because of the sacrifice. So there is a moment where we need to be born again. There is a moment where we are starting again to be connected with the living God. And I'm so grateful this morning that because of that, then we can start to walk in His path. So walking also is an active word implying a dynamic movement. I never see somebody walking and stay statically in the same place, right? It will be a contradiction of terms. So while you're walking, you are moving from point A to point B. And let me tell you something. Point A is when we are born again in the Spirit. And we become a new creation in Christ. But then we have to walk. And this walk is what we call the walk of sanctification that comes to be uh, able to keep clean our soul, our mind, our spirit before God with the re being renewed in our mind and being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So this is a walk that we do. And uh, this word in the New Testament is a very interesting word that is used more than 100 times 
peripateo. It means moving, going around. It means in the context of Paul and his epistles is the way that we live and conduct our lives before Christ. So walking implies, again, a dynamic movement. You cannot be born again in the spirit and stay statically at that initial stage. You need to grow. You need to move. You need to go to the stature, the maturity that Christ Jesus is willing to give to you and to me. But let me tell you something. Because of that, God did his part. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins when we cannot have any hope to be saved. But let me tell you also that God will not do what we must do. God will not do what you and I must do to finish our race. The ultimate goal of God's grace is not just to possess us as things. You possess an object. But God wants us to be in fellowship with him, in communion with him. We are part of his people. We are part of his family. We are called to be active in the knowledge of that relationship that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. And what I'd like to share with you this morning, with God's help, is that one of the primary ways that we are walking towards God and we are growing in our walk with God is to do and to show to this world the good works that God had prepared for us. So we must walk in that. Another verse mentioned by Jesus himself that will encourage you to uh, initiate that walk is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, where Jesus mentioned again, in the same way, let your light. God doesn't say my light, but let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And I really thank God for this. And I want you to know that doing good works is not something mystical, something mysterious, something that goes beyond your abilities. No, it's something very simple. And again, I mentioned this last Sunday. It's like the words of Jesus are reminding us. Jesus said, when you have given a glass of water to one of these little, you have done that to me. So the most simple action to give water to somebody is an act of service, is showing good work for God's glory. So this morning, let me share you three points that are very important. We don't walk in good works to obtain grace. We receive grace to walk in good works. That's very, very important. In God's eyes, our value doesn't depend from our performance. God still loves you anyway. He loved you. He loved me even before the creation of the world. He loved us. And his eternal plan, he saw you desperate in your sins. He saw you and me desperate without any chance to be saved. But he loved us so much that he gave his begotten son so that whosoever believes in him has eternal life. Now we are reconciled with God because Christ Jesus. 
To truly understand this, we must realize that God loves us apart from our works. And I want to insist on that. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace. So no one, us, no one of us can boast of what we are able to do. However, God has placed in us the responsibility to walk in good works. To walk and make visible the grace that we receive. There is a bat that can stop us to walk. And there is the lack of understanding that whatever we do is not for ourselves, but is for the glory of God. And when we pursue doing good works, we think that ourselves are able to save. Ourselves are able to be sanctified. We are doing some kind of action that I call self-autonomous. No, we are sanctified. We are saved only because of the work of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And walking good works is purposefully related to our new nature in Christ. And this is not an easy concept to understand. For instance, we understand that we are sinners. And because we are sinners, we sin. It sounds logical, right? So we think, if I don't sin no more, I'm no more a sinner. But the reality is that we cannot change our nature alone. I'll give you an example. Uh, not too long ago, I was reading of this uh, trainer that was trying to tame uh, a crocodile. And he thought he'd succeed in that. But, you know, the nature of the animal is wild. The instinct of the uh, animal is wild. So it happened that while the trainer was showing to the public that was able to put his arm in the mouth of the crocodile, what happened? His arm was completely cut. The nature is such that when the occasion will come, doesn't matter how good we are, our nature, our wild nature, our sinful nature will come out. So you cannot stop it to be a sinner just thinking, I will sin no more. It's impossible. It's impossible. So what we stop us is the fundamental change in our nature that we receive when we accept Jesus Christ in our lives. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of Jesus in us. It's the work of the blood of Jesus that will change your nature. So because you have now a new identity in Christ and you are a new creation in Christ, now... You are going towards God and not towards sin. You have been changed. We have been changed. Not by our own works, but because of Jesus Christ. And there is no righteousness in us. The righteousness is in Jesus Christ. In Him alone. For the moment, yes, your new life is trapped in this body. Earthly body. So we still occasionally commit sin. Because our nature is such. But our identity has been changed. Has been changed. We are no more sinners in Christ. We are saints in Christ. And we change that at the moment that we become newborn again Christian. So it's the new nature that will help you to sin no more. There is no self-atonement. We are in Christ and as Romans says in 12, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, your responsibility, my responsibility is to tame our own instinct 
and claiming under the discipline and the authority of Jesus Christ. Paul writing to the Corinthians says that he's able uh, with uh, weapons that are not from the flesh but are powerful because they are from the spirit to trap and to call and to reduce every reasonment, every reasonment that is against the knowledge of Jesus Christ in prison, submitted, is not the power of the man. It's the power, the weapons that we use. And this comes from the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that this is possible only because the work of Jesus Christ. Only because it's grace. So it's true. We do walk in good deeds, in good works, not to obtain grace, but we receive grace so we can walk in good works. Then the second point is that we can walk in good works because they are prepared in a purpose-filled path. It means that God prepared a path for us. And that path is full of purpose for you, for me, for our families, for our church family, for the advancement of his kingdom on earth. So it is a prepared path accompanied by his presence. Jesus, when he gave all the authority to his own disciples, he didn't say, I will be. But he said, I am with you until the end of this present age. It means that his presence is with us. Not only he walks with us, but we have the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We are not alone in this path. Walking with Christ is never alone. Is walking with the Trinity in us, the love of the Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the companionship of Christ with us. So we walk in company. If we truly want to become Christ-like, serving others and doing good works then must be a must. We need to do it. It is not something that we can put behind our day. No, we need to do it because this brings purpose to our lives. I like what Jeremiah, the old prophet, says, talking to a nation that was uh, almost forgetting all the plans that God had for them. And these people were moving astray from God. And Jeremiah speaks from the Lord and says these words, Thus, says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. What a rebellious, stubborn heart the people of Israel had in that time. God is saying, I prepared for you an ancient path that never changed. Walk in it. Do what I ask you to do, and you find rest for your soul. You know how many times we are not resting in the Lord? Because we are not walking in that path. We are not finding resting for our souls because we become spiritually fat. Spiritual oriented to fulfill our own nature, our own need. And we forget to walk in the path of the good works that the Lord has prepared for us. We don't do any exercise we don't do any walk of faith. We don't do any of the things that God has given to us to do. 
David, the King David, years before Jeremiah, was intentionally pursuing to walk with God. He had made it what with God is primarily objective in his life. And I like what he says in Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. David had that desire, the longing. Teach me, O God. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me, O God, whatever is right so I can walk on those paths that you are assigned to me. And I'm so grateful this morning that we can enjoy the presence of God as we walk in obedience to uh, that path that the Lord has prepared for us. And let me tell you, there are divine appointments along the godly path of life. He has divine appointment for all of us. There are moments where we can understand easily that that appointment, that that situation didn't come on us, but was prepared for us purposely. There is no chance. There was no chance to happen. But God prepared for you and me so we can walk on the path of righteousness, on the path of good works that the Lord prepared for us. As we stay on the path, we discover the things of God And we discover how merciful, how good it was for our lives. And it still is. And it will be again. Because his nature will never change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is faithful. He wants to give us his rest, his blessing. He wants to bless our lives. But it requires obedience in walking with him. Because his path are prepared so we may bear fruit for his glory. He saved us to bear fruit for his glory. It is in God's design that a believer be fruitful and exalt the name of Jesus. Because in his designs, you and I, we are branches attached to the vine. And we must bear fruit. Don't you know that you are saved to bear fruit for God? Don't you know that we must bear fruit and righteousness that will bring glory to God? I like what John says. In chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You should go. It means moving, walking, and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see, more we walk in the path, more we bear fruit for God's glory, more intimate we become with Christ, with with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father. And because we know and we have a more intimacy with him, it is for us to ask the things that are pleasing God. You know sometimes why our, our prayers are not answered? Because we don't pray according to God's will. And now we know God's will because of our intimacy with Him. Because our fellowship that we have with Him. I want to give you a, a very practical illustration. If you know very well a friend, your wife, your husband, 
You don't ask something that you know the person will never be able to give it to you, right? Because you know the person. You don't mention something that a person cannot give it to you. But you eventually feel more comfortable in asking things that you know the person can give it to you. Now, God is omnipotent. He can give it to you everything. But he chooses to give us the things that are beneficial to our spiritual development. Because what is important for him is not the journey that we have all here on this earth. For him, it's important the final destination. And he will bless you with all the things that are able to make you reach the final destination. It's no interest, again, on this journey only on earth. It's interesting on the goal, the final destination. And the final destination is that you spend eternity with him. Not just 50, 60, 100 years on earth. All eternity. We cannot compare even 100 years here on earth with all the eternity. The other day, the oldest man in Italy died. He was 108 years old. Can you imagine? But he died. We are all destined to die. Sooner or later, our time will come. But we know our final destination. If we are faithful with the Lord, we know that we spend eternity with him. There is no fear in that. Yes, it's the last enemy that will be defeated. But we have no fear because we know our final destiny. Spending eternity with God. And again, it's not that we are called to bear fruit for our own, but we are called to bear fruit for him. Jesus say in the same chapter, in verse 4, without me, you cannot do anything. Without me, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm the vine, you are the branch. And the branch can bear fruit by itself. So it's about Christ. It's about him, him alone. It's about his glory. It's about his power shown in our lives. That path of good works is prepared path. And we walk on that in a corporate way. Christians who care and edify the church are they edifying one another. They build on one another's strength. They build on one another faith in Christ. And there is this common life that we share. You know, in a vine, you don't have only one branch. You have many branches that are attached to the vine, right? In a tree, you don't have only one branch. You have a different. And I like what the scripture speaks about the church. It's a body. In a body, there are many members. It's a temple in a building. There are many stones lifting the building in itself. So when we bear fruit, when we do good works, we do thinking that we are part of the body of Christ. Thinking that God prepared good works so we can express the masterpiece of his creation on earth. The church of Jesus Christ. The church is the reflection of the glory of Jesus Christ. And when we bear fruit and we do good works, we do it in the context of the body of Christ. 
The Bible says very clear in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that we have been baptized in the body of Christ. We have been placed in, in that body. And Paul shows the blessing that we have been put out corporately as a members. Members that are making up the body. And so when we understand that we are part of a body, we understand also that we work together. And the good works that we do are the purpose to glorify Christ within the body that is the church. We don't take glory for our own, but we worship a God. We do good works as a body of Christ. And even when you are doing alone that good work that God prepared for you, you are reflecting the church that you are part of. The family of God that you are part of. It's beautiful when people, they say, oh, what do you do in life? Who are you? When they see in you, they see in you uh, God working, they will inquire about you. And what a beautiful thing is for a Christian to say, I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's not just part of being in church. You are part of the church that goes through centuries, through eternity. It's such a wonderful privilege to be part of the church. And if we understand the dynamics of the church, we understand how blessed we are being part of this mystical body that it is the church, Jesus Christ. And we will do everything to protect the church. We will do everything to bring glory to Christ in doing good works for the glory of God. Even yesterday, somebody asked me, why you do this? Why you give food? Why you show to the community what you are doing? And I said, because we love people. Because we are loved by God and our church loves to bless other people. Simple. There is no other reason. We bring glory to Christ as we work together. Another person is saying, it's so good to see everybody being happier. Why we are happy? Because we work together. As a body of Christ. We join together. So Christ is magnified in our midst. And I give praise to God for this. So we walk in good works because there is purpose. And as we fill the path, we are bringing glory to Christ. And then, and this is my third point. Walking in God works is more about our attitude than our ability. Your spirit is born again immediately. But your attitude is a work in progress. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But our attitude must be worked on. Must be worked on. You know, you don't get a good attitude. You cultivate a good attitude by doing what is pleasing God. It is very important. As we serve others... As we deny ourselves and we put others before us, we are bringing glory to God. Not only with our abilities and skills and gifts, but also with the attitude. Here is a, a simple question. Do you live to serve or to be served? Often, your attitude tells the real story and the real answer of this question. Are you a blessing when you deal with other people? Or do you in, insist on your own way? Can you submit to others? 
Can you give yourself in serving others? And not just to be served. And not just to be taking. But giving also. I remind you the words. And I remind to myself the word of Jesus. That says that there is more joy in giving than in receiving. There is more joy when you give something to others. When you are serving others that you are served by others. Try it. Especially if you understand that when you serve others, you are serving God. When you serve others, you are bringing glory to God. I remember a dear brother in the other church that was serving before coming here. Um, it was a part of a ministry that we had in um, uh, providing food and uh, serving meals during the day to the community. And everything was for free. And many times I see the long hours that I was doing. And I was going to him to say, you know, Brother John, I really appreciate what you are doing. And always with a smile I say, I'm not doing it for you, Pastor. I'm doing it for him. For him. We are doing this for the glory of God. And it will renew our strength as we serve others. Let me tell you some of the things that can entrance the attitude a right attitude is a result of a right motivation. What are the motives that are bringing us to serve others, to walk in good paths, in good works? Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. If you do something to be seen by others, to be appreciated by others, the reward is there. But there is no other reward from your Father in heaven. It means that you will receive something. You will receive appreciation from others. It is not wrong receiving appreciation from others. And I will encourage you to appreciate others while they are doing good works. But if your motives are not clean before God, you will not receive any rewards from your Father in heaven. These are words of Jesus. These are words of our Master. So when we do something, we are doing this not because we like to have the glory. No. We are doing this for Him. The motives that should be able to control our doing or the way that we do good works is to exalt the name of God, only Him. If we serve Jesus out of wrong motivations, we will lose any sense of direction and purpose in our lives. Because when will happen that appreciation isn't there, you have no more purpose to serve others and to serve God. When people don't appreciate you what you do, when nobody else appreciates what you're doing and you are looking for the word of appreciation, your job is finished. You don't have any motivation to work anymore in the work of the Lord. But when you are doing this for God's glory, when you are giving yourself for God's glory. doesn't matter if you broom the floor, if you vacuum, 
the carpet. Doesn't matter if you wash the dishes. Doesn't matter if you put the tents. Doesn't matter if you are giving a tract to somebody that is in need or helping to have food. You know what? If there is no appreciation, you still continue to do it because it's for God's glory and for Him alone. So it's very important, my brothers. And I say this to encourage one another to battle with our flesh because our flesh is questioning, is demanding honor and appreciation. But when we serve to others to bring glory to God, we will still continue to serve others even if there is no appreciation. So be encouraged by that. At the same time, be challenged. And then things that may influence negatively your attitude and in there, walking with God is self-centeredness. When we look again to ourselves, when we are satisfying our own, our own desires. I love what Paul says to Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, where he says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is calling the church and he's giving the next verses the wonderful example of Jesus Christ that he gave himself he abased himself he humbled himself to death to the death of the cross and Paul is saying don't look to yourself no look at the interest of others put others more than yourself and many times we have to ask ourselves if we have a do not disturb Sign and in our heart. Do not disturb me. Do not bother me. Do not touch my Sunday. Do not touch whatever I'm doing. Sometimes we think that this is our time. This is my time. I don't want to do nothing else. Especially on Sunday, that it should be the day of the Lord. Sunday, this means the day of the Lord. It means that the day of Sunday should be dedicated to the Lord. Resting in Him. Offering to Him. But here, especially in the Western world, every Sunday is full with commitment and stuff and things to do. Even on Sundays now, we have a bachelor party. We have a, a baby showers. We have this. We have a, all the stuff that are bringing people outside the service. We should be careful. Do not fall in the trap. The day of the Lord must be respected. Of course, if you are working and you cannot change that, it's understandable. But you need to have a day where you focus in God. You need to take a day of the week and focus that day on God. It's His day. It's not my day or your day. It's His day. And we find rest in Him. And then another way that can hinder our walking with Christ is confuse excellence with perfectionism. Don't wait for perfect condition to happen so you may start to serve others. Do whatever you can. Use whatever you have to start to walk with God. Perfect conditions will never come. We are called to have excellence in the work of the Lord. We have to give our best. But we'll never expect to do something if we are waiting for the perfect conditions to happen. A man that was very wise, Solomon, 
centuries before we were born, says these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not qualified yet. Oh, I'm waiting for this to happen. I'm waiting that my children will get, finish high school. I'm waiting that my, finish, my children will get married. I'm waiting that my children will have grandchildren. Life goes on so fast. We're missing opportunities to build up our bank account in heaven. We are missing up occasions that God placed in our path so we can glorify him and being able to see the purpose that he has for our lives. Lord, help us. Another hindrance is comparing and criticizing. You never can be grateful if you don't understand and appreciate the skills, the good works that the Lord has given to you. You know when we say that the the grass of the, our neighbor is greener than us. Even with the gifts and the skills that the Lord has given to us. Oh, I wish I could sing as a Brother Earl sings. Oh, I wish I could do this as that brother does or that sister does. But in the end, doing that, we are despising what God has given us. Oh, this church has not the best equipment. Oh, this church has not this. This church has not the best seats. This church has not the best building. And we compare ourselves always. Having not the best car, having not the best home, having not the best this, this, this. And we forget that we should appreciate what God has given to us. So we may serve Him. I love the scriptures. When I look at the examples that we have in the Bible, I see how we can be happy with what we have. I follow, as I was on vacation, I'm a very big fan of soccer. And FIFA Cup is maybe one of the uh, major events that we have uh, in the soccer world that we can enjoy it. And you know, uh, I watch the Japanese soccer team. Honestly, I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge about this team. It's not my team. Maybe I know one player that plays in Italy. And uh, is the captain of the team. I didn't know nothing about this team. Uh, but they play relatively well. And they were disqualified. So it was something that could bring bitterness in your heart. But you know what they did, this Japanese team? They went in the locker room. It was the last time they were going to the locker room. They cleaned everything and they put a card. Thank you to all of you that host us in this wonderful experience that we had here. Disqualified, going back home. But thank you. Thank you for what you have done. You see, you cannot appreciate others if you compare yourself all the time with others. We cannot appreciate the blessing and the complementary work that God does in the church if we are comparing ourselves with what God has blessed another person. So if you want to walk and bear fruit, Let's remember that attitude should be the reflection of Christ in us. As I already said in the past sermons of the series, there are literally many, many ways that we can do good works in our life. It is always the result of being 
connected and attached to the vine, that is uh, Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul calls our good works fruit. Again, in Colossians 1.10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, full pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I want you to pay attention to the last sentence, and increasing in the knowledge of God. As you bear fruit and you do good works, you increase your knowledge of God. You have a better understanding of God. So we are called to do the very best we can for Jesus. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's not wait the perfect condition. Let's start to do now. And I want to give you two examples in the Bible. Mary Magdalene put up the expenses perfume. Judas was so upset. He said to Jesus, 300 denarius, you can sell this perfume. Jesus rebuked his own disciples about this. And look what he says. Jesus said to them, leave her alone. Why do you trouble this woman? She has done a good work for me. She gave what she had. There is another lady in the Bible as mentioned. And I'm glad to see there are ladies. There are ladies that are working. I'm grateful for all the ladies of the church. that are taking the burden of sometimes to do what we men are not able to do it. So praise the Lord for them. Tabitha made clothes for the poor. Look what the Bible says. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. She was full of good work, works and acts of charity. She used the needle and thread that were in her hand to bring glory to God, offering clothes to the poor, to the needy. She didn't go to university to take a degree. This is what she could do. And this is what she did. What we are ready to do. Are we hearing another sermon? Or we try to ask the Lord to help us to start walking. If you have never walked in the path of good works, I encourage you to give yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And be sensitive to be used by the Lord. Some final application for us before we partake to the table. We need to follow the path of Jesus Christ as prepared for us to walk. We need to sacrificially do that. And our spiritual maturity has truly progressed. When do something is no more painful for us. And then we need to actively walk in good works, knowing that is our eternal destiny in Christ. That is the purpose. And then... The greatest sense of accomplishment and belonging comes by walking in good works. Good works will give us sense of purpose and satisfaction and accomplishment. Can we do that together as a church, as individuals? Can we be able to challenge each one of us to do that so God may be glorified in us? Amen? Amen.